like a word. About how to be a children's author. You're listening to Weed Like a Word. With me, Steve Colgan. And me, Paul Waters. And this is a momentous occasion because this is the first time we've actually made an episode of the Weed Like a Word podcast together in person, face to face, for how long? Oh, it's a few months, isn't it? It's got to be nine months, ten months. I mean, I think more said, than a year. We are outside in, in a slight spitting rain and we're bird singing all around us and a bit of socially distancing, but uh, nevertheless, together. Oh, I don't want to walk into this lamppost or <laughs> telegraph pole. Um, anyway, it's lovely. Well, and on this episode, Amazingly, we've got Julia Donaldson. I know. Remind us who she is. Well, she's uh, the former Children's Laureate. I mean, she's won more prizes than you can throw a stick at. I mean, she's the author of very well-known books like The Gruffalo and Zog and Room on the Broom. and Stickman, yeah. The Smartest Giant in Town, know, and my favourite, oh gosh, here come some canvassers. <laughs> it's uh, by-election day today, but we try and keep our minds off that. And we, um, a squash and a squeeze. If they're all trying to go to the one house, it'll be a squash and a squeeze there. So Julia Donaldson, and so she's got a course which we'll be hearing about, about how to be, I suppose, how to follow in her footsteps and be like a humongously successful children's author. And we're also going to hear from Ted Chaplin, who's also a children's author and illustrator. So she just writes, he does both. He's not quite as successful as she is. Yet. Yes, and uh, so, optimistic. so we've got two two ends of the spectrum, and we're going to be let in. I'm hoping to his studio where he he writes and draws. Oh, we're here. We're here. We're here. Here we go. And there's somebody waving at us from inside the house. I hope that's him, and he's going to let us someone in. Someone hiding from the canvases. Is he behind the sofa? Well, <laughs> let's go and see. Oh. Oh, he's got a stony um, pathway. I wish it was a bit more crunchy, because that would be a good sound effect. That would be classic Today programme, crunching it's, on the path. It's quite cobbly. I can go like this if you want. Yeah, extra stamping. It's cobbly. And here we are, at Hello. the home of Ted Chaplin. Hello. Hello, welcome. Come in. Oh, good, we're being let in. Oh, we're let in. That's not like a cat skull. Oh, there's a cat skull at the door. What is this skull? That's actually a badger's skull. A badger. Oh. It's not a badger. Well, it might be. Fox. Maybe it's a fox. Okay. Badger's got a really high. It's got a ridge on it. Hasn't ridge it? on the on top. Yeah. Okay. This is a good sign. Already, there's what we think is a fox's skull by the front door. <laughs> yep. This is the. This is what sort of place we're going death to. Death as we arrive. Death. Yeah. Signs of death as we arrive. Well, that's what children <laughs> like, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, they do. Yeah. Now, oh, well, lead on. Coming for it. Offer you a drink. Oh, yes, please. Are you recording all the time? Uh, I hope so, yeah. Well, we okay. just recorded the introduction to the programme, you see. Oh, okay. Do you put this out live? So you don't... You're not, just all you're not live. You're not no, live. you're not live. I can no, cut this bit. But you'll be... You, you're editing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind yeah. of as live, I suppose. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Would it be um, I'd actually just settle for a black tea, if that's all right. I would so have a cup of tea as well. Cup of tea, okay. I've actually been to the pub, and probably I shouldn't. <laughs> uh, Okay. Oh, well, that's good news. I was doing some political organising in the pub. It means I won't be tempted to go to the pub after this with you. Oh, no, but you see, by then, time will have passed. Oh, okay. I've just lost three stone. I shouldn't be going to pubs. Okay. <laughs> I'm Ted, by the way. I don't know what we're supposed to do. Hello, Steve. Right, Steve, nice to meet you. Where is it? Just getting some kettle sound effects. <laughs> Typical BBC. 
Well, we are being taken through to the hallowed artists and writers studio. Uh, here we go. Uh, tucked away at the back of the house. This is where Ted, I was going to say, works his magic. Hides is probably the real thing. Ooh, this is good. This is proper. Steve. Yeah. Does this look familiar to you? It does. It looks very familiar to me. I recognise quite a lot of this. Well, of course, he's got an Ardman poster on the wall, so he's in my good book straight away. Because Ardman is like the greatest thing in the world. Oh, oh, the oh we've got a here's the little there. dog. Hello, little dog. This is, my three. This, oh. is, this is Ginny. Ginny. Hello, Ginny. Um, Hello. Hello. You can probably see her drawn on the walls. Oh, well, show us um, Ginny on the walls. Oh, yeah. This one here. Oh. Right, well, tell us what you've got on the walls here. While I take off my rucksack and try not to wreck everything. Um, well, there's a whole load of pictures of work in progress, um, lots of character development. Call it visual development. So it's getting a feel for the character and what they look like in different circumstances. And then there's a couple of worked-into pieces with some colour there on the wall. Um, so there's one of Ginny and from a, one of the books that I'm currently working on with a little girl called Beth so they sort of make up a uh, a team solve mysteries and have adventures and that There's kind, some that kind fabulous of it, what's that one? is that an otter up there yeah that's an otter up there so one of the um other books that I'm working on is uh based heavily around a group of otters and yeah there's a whole load of other stuff here on the on this other wall with all the faces of the otters and the different looks and facial expressions and feelings and emotions that they might have so you really get to know the characters by visualizing it and you've got beautiful fo foxes on both walls i presume it's the same fox but they're actually they're all different foxes um is that before you peeled it is that before you killed it oh yeah this sorry this peeled is it and oh. put a skull on no, display no, no, in the front no, no, oh, yeah hopefully this isn't the skull oh, yeah, someone probably someone probably left the skull for us on on, uh, on the doorstep there knowing that we're Kind of interested in that kind of stuff. And what about that one? You've got. It's, hold on a minute. Somebody just left a skull on your doorstep. No, you're interested in that. <laughs> well, no, I think it's pro 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 probably one of the family probably found it and then thought, oh, you know, my wife would like it or something. <laughs> Which is probably not true at all. Um, and you've got. Is what's that? Is that another otter? No, that's another otter. It's just. Um, it's, uh, oh, the dogs. That that was Ginny oh, having a sniff. I'll go. And, I'll go and take her through to the other room because she's going to basically give her some food, aren't you? Aren't you? You're going to basically pester us for a moment. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, this is lovely, isn't that's, it? That's my kind of stuff. It's quite like a uh, um, hobbity sort of thing. It is, it's a bit wind and willowsy as well. Wind and willowsy, yeah, yeah, that's right. We're looking at uh, a, a beautiful. So, what was it? A pen and ink drawing, would you it say? Looks like it. Yeah, it looks like it. Although these days, of course, you can do a lot of this on the computer as well. And so, so it's um, like a little hobbit house under a tree by the riverside. Yeah, it looks like the sort of place that, you know, Ratty would have lived in the Wind in the Willows or somewhere like that. It's really, really nice. And there's a lovely kind of a cottage on a platform halfway up a big old tree. Who lives there? That's actually one of the places the otters stop on their adventure. Um, like a safe house. So it's halfway up the tree, halfway up this Scots pine. And they can they can climb up, but then they can't be disturbed. So it's almost like a travellers travellers stop off for animal for animals. And so this room it's got it's got. So how would you describe these drawings? Are they pen and ink? Now these are so these one a lot of these are pencil. This one's pen and ink up here, but the majority of them are 
pencil and then they've been worked into either by so either by painting into them or most of the time working digitally so i will scan the pencil work in the drawn work which then you get the contact with the paper and you get that the real feeling of of the feel of the pencil on the paper which you can't really replicate on the computer very elegantly you can you can simulate it and you can get a similar look but you don't get the same feel with the graphics tablets and the um and the and the screens that we draw on um and then I'll I'll scan that in and then I'll then I'll move to photoshop and then I will paint the layers of color in this this allows me to actually um then paint color in change every layer of color so I, I literally layer everything up like sheets of acetate in a way um and then I can switch them around perform certain magic perform things he, he, he knows the level that I'm at anyway <laughs> yeah, I understand it uh, Mag- magic <laughs> things yeah. well, you can you can you can you can yeah, Steve actually he is also uh, an illustrator and an artist unlike me cool so that's the, that's the way I work and then it allows me to actually light um, things as well so look at this chameleon here um, then the way that this was drawn in as a, a, a pencil piece first and then I, I laboriously went in and painted the whole of the skin and the um, all the sort of uh, the surface detail and the colours that's relatively flat and then I've actually added the lighting as directional light in Photoshop and I'm able to control that so if I decided that I didn't like the look of that or I wanted to light it from a different angle then I can still do that even though it's a 2D drawing whereas if I painted it in watercolour it would have been wonderful fun and I'd really love to do it but then I wouldn't be able to change anything later on and really make things lift them lift them in the color values um, which is very hard to do with sort of traditional paints so it's, it's another it's another it's another layer of thinking because you have to know when to stop um with digital artwork and now you don't so there's wonderful art here and we talk more about it and there's also words um which we'll come to in a bit so because you write as well as yeah uh, as create art and also in your previously You've got your whole film career, and there's a film poster on the wall. The Pirates in an Adventure with Scientists, which was an Ardman film. You know, people who made Wallace and Gromit and Chicken Run. And I think Hugh Grant did one of the voices, didn't he? Yeah, he was the pirate. Hugh Grant. He was the pirate king, yeah. David um, Tennant, Demelda Staunton. No, no, he was Captain, because Brian Blessed was the pirate king. Yes, yeah. um, so we're going to hear about that. Yeah. But seeing as Julia Donaldson <clears throat> is on the, on the show too, let's hear a bit from Julia Donaldson. Julia Donaldson, fabulous to have you on Weed Like a Word. Tell us about this course for children's authors or want to be children's authors. Yeah, it's um, a BBC Maestro course. They've got lots of other courses. You know, there's one by Dead Mercurio, you know, about writing crime drama. There's one by a cook. I can't remember his name. You know, so it's not just me, but my course is about writing children's picture book text, not about doing the illustrations, although obviously there's quite a lot about illustration in the course. And so it's quite a long course, but it's divided into little mini sections um, of quarter an hour each, treating everything from the derm of an idea through to, you know, developing that idea, plot, characters, language is a particular thing with me, you know, the pattern of the language and the words you choose. and um, Right, yeah, and it goes right on to working with the illustrator and so on and so forth. 
And on some of the episodes, actually, some of the lessons, I brought other people in. So in one of them, I'm talking to my agent about what an agent is looking for or what this particular agent is looking for. I've got an editor in one of them um, about what goes on at the publishers. I've got my best-known illustrator, Axel Scheffler, and we're talking about the illustration uh, process. I've got a film director in as well. That's great, because those, those people tend to be quite often overlooked when you're talking about this sort of thing, but of course they're vital, aren't they? Of course, yes, yes, yes. I mean, it's all very well for me to say, write a story about an aardvark rather than a furry bunny, but then apparently at these editorial meetings, you know, there's some wonderful story about an aardvark, and then someone says, yeah, I think it would sell better if it was about a furry bunny. So, <laughs> um, Still, I have, I have more done the art of course. Interesting hearing you talk about it. Your smile is very broad. It's clear that you still love what you do and love talking about what you do. Oh, well, I do love... I, I just can't think of a better career because having been a mother myself and a grandmother, that time of sharing books with, with the children is, is a very joyful time. It's a time that brings you closer together and, and if you're a children's writer you perhaps rather unfairly you get caught up in that love between the parent and the child and they love you as well <laughs> um, but you know I'm, I, I'm a great fan of picture books because it's such a varied genre I can't think of any other type of writing which is you know quite universal actually so I have brought lots and lots of other authors and books into my course it's not just a course about how I create my own picture book. The extraordinary thing is that, a, that a, a good children's book, it doesn't just stay with the child, does it? I mean, it stays with the adult as well, because I mean, all of us sitting here now could probably talk about books that we loved as children, and we could probably still quote from them, and you know, because we've probably read them repetitively. I mean, certainly my grandchildren read quite a lot of your books when they were growing up, and I mean, I've got the words to stick, man, burned into my brain forever. <laughs> And, you know, the result is that in years to come, I'm pretty sure when they have kids of their own, they'll turn back to those books because they have such fond memories of themselves. I no think that's the way it works. If you're lucky enough, if your book stays in print for that generation, then I think it's just the way you describe it. It's the, the parents, more than the children, it's, it's the parents who remember reading the stories to their own children, who then buy them for the grandchildren. And it's that way that it, that it works, yeah. But I've, it's been wonderful actually preparing this course because I've discovered so many new books. Obviously I was familiar with lots of picture books, but I thought, well, I can't just, you know, talk about all those golden oldies. So I asked every publisher to send me what they considered were their five best picture books that they published in the last um, 10 years. And I also got American publishers to send me books. So, I mean, you can probably see the table behind me. You know, it's just piled high with, with picture books. Um, so it was a bit like preparing a whole, you know, terms worth of lectures, really, you know, university lectures or something. Is there a quality or, or are there qualities that you think a children's author should have? Not particularly, but, um, well... I think it's just like not very different from any writer. I think really people think that you're doing this special thing for children. And, you know, sometimes the taxi drivers will say to me, 
how do you get into the mind of a child? As if I'm doing somehow turning my brain around. But I'm really just trying to write stories in good stories in language that I enjoy and think will trip off the the tongue. Yeah, I think perhaps perhaps actually now you mentioned it. I think perhaps a love of words and language for for these younger stories for picture books. So I think a sort of a kind of gift for, for language and the sound of words and perhaps poetry and song, that sort of thing is maybe more important than it is when you're writing for older children or for adults. Do you think the fact that you originally came from a, a, a music background and writing songs that led into the books, do you think that helps in terms of, because there's a lot of, I mean, I'm a musician myself, and, and there's a lot of rhythm to your writing. There's, there's a specific, I mean, they almost fit to it. You know, there's different <laughs> rhythms to the way you write. Oh, definitely. You know, um, and that's really why I quite often write in rhyme, but it's not just writing in rhymes of doggerel verse, this rhymes with this and this rhymes with it is, It is that musical thing of verses and choruses and you know uh, having some sort of pattern and flow to it. and that's what I've tried to say on the course and I'm not actually encouraging people to write and rhyme but I am encouraging to use patterned language and I think it's much better to write in patterned prose than in doggerel verse you know and I don't always write in verse myself and you know I just, it just it depends what the storyline is going to be whether I think it should be prose or verse on rhyme, so if various people have sent in questions. A lot of people didn't send questions just saying they loved what you do, but some of them sent questions. There was a lot of those. Yeah, this this is one from seven-year-old Orla in Hungerford, and she's saying, where do you get the inspiration for the rhymes in your book? <laughs> well, I do have, you know, I do, I'm, I'll, I, mean, I do have a rhyme in diction. You know, you can probably look, it's looking back somewhere. Oh, it's that Poets it's Manual not, for Rhymes, was that? Poets <laughs> Manual and Rhyming Diction. This is maybe yeah. out of print, yeah. but there are rhyming diction. And I've actually got a little document where I've got all the ways you can begin a word. So it goes, and it's even got, you know, like, but the, finding rhyme isn't the most difficult or even important uh, part of it. You've got to actually think, you've got to really think of about 10 different ways of saying something. You can't just say, um, I'm looking out of my window at the street and I've just seen a pair of feet. So, you know, because that might not be what you want to say. You might have to say, um, I'm looking at looking out at the view, you might want view to be the end of the line, you might want street, you might want road, you might want car, or, you know, it's really important that you don't just say the first thing that comes into your head and then think of something that rhymes with it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so I've got a whole lesson on, on that, actually. Another interesting question, actually it wasn't, it was a question that came in from a guy called Ed Sylvester, but it generated a lot of discussion and that's obviously you're writing in your own voice and you're writing books for children, but people attach voices to the characters. And when they get turned into films and when they get turned into animated films, quite often the, the voices aren't what people expect. And <laughs> was huge, there was a huge and spirited discussion going on on Facebook about what the mouse's accent should have been in the Gruffalo, because some <laughs> people saw them as as very... Um, 
received pronunciation, very British, quite posh. Someone else saw them as, as Glasgowish, Glaswegian. Mm. <laughs> I mean, do oh, you well, have yeah. voices in your head? Do you, do you, do you Not know just how in my head, speak? because I act the stories. I'm always going on stage and in theatres and acting. And my husband joins me. So he's got a wonderfully Glaswegian highway rat. And I think that's yeah. why, actually, they chose yeah. David Ten Tennant to be the highway rat um, in the animation. I've been told that the Gruffalo's Australian. I've been told that he's from Birmingham. But that's the <laughs> lovely thing about picture books because the, the parents or the grannies or the teachers can can enjoy putting on different voices and no one to a child is going to be as good as their own mum or dad or, or granny. You know, no famous actor's ever going to get it as right as their own family member can. Julia Donaldson. Just before I come back to Ted, I've noticed that in... Ted's studio, it's really neat and organised, which is a complete contrast with your yeah, studio. It's anathema to me, anathema to me. I mean, I, I mean, where are the piles of books? Where's the dust? Where's the, the hundreds of little dust-covered figures manning shelves? And it's, uh, oh, oh, it's all very clean. <laughs> it is. Yeah, and I, you I, have I a did link. tidy up before you came. Ah, <laughs> no, no, but this, yeah, he probably tidied up by, you know, moving one cup out of the way. Cause yeah, it, probably, probably. So Julia Donaldson, The Gruffalo, We've just been hearing from Julia Donaldson. You have a Gruffalo link. Tell us, or show us. Well, more than just a Gruffalo link, because of course Julia was talking about the translation going from book to animation, and we've got some animation stuff to talk about. Ooh. Yeah, so my background for the last 25 years has been in computer graphics and animation. Okay, that sounds really... Well, I was going to say that sounds really boring. Wrong. Not that sounds really interesting, but it doesn't quite convey the full interestingness of it because you've been doing this for what sort of things that people might have heard of. So worked on the last sort of few films for Ardman Animation, Pirates in an Adventure with Scientists, Early Man, Shaun the Sheep 2 Farmageddon was the last one that I managed to be lucky enough to work on. It was a great privilege. And there was uh, an Indiana Jones link? Did a bit of work on Indiana Jones 4, a couple of years ago. Um, so you're and, to blame. <laughs> yeah. and, right, and hold on. Only but, a small but, bit of work. But, and there was um, a secret project when you were doing it. Yeah, they, they always are secret while they're in development. They're, all, they're always secret. So maybe we should have a competition question. We haven't had a competition question for ages. We for ages. And we could ask the question, what was the secret code name for Indiana Jones 4 when they were trying to keep... It's secret that it was Indiana Jones 4. What I'll was the code name? explain for any listener who doesn't know, when productions are going ahead, to keep it quiet on the clapperboards and what's written on the outside of the sets and things, they usually give a code word to a production. For example, one of the most famous was that when Doctor Who was being brought back from the dead, um, its code name was Torchwood, which is an anagram of Doctor Who. But of course, Torchwood eventually became an organisation within the show, etc. Uh, another great example was Star Wars. The original code word for that was Blue Harvest, which is why... The Family Guy version of the Star Wars shows is called Blue Harvest. Mm. So there you go. See. So we could ask, get in touch if you have a suggestion, if you know the answer, or maybe you don't know, but you have a good suggestion for what it should have been. Maybe an amusing suggestion for what the code name or the code word for Indiana Jones for the Crystal Skull. Yeah, we're not talking about the Indiana Jones 5 that's currently being filmed. We're, believe it or not, we're talking about 4, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Okay, so Kingdom of the Chris, Crystal Skull, I can hardly speak. Kingdom, Kingdom of the Crystal, Crystal Skull, Skull well Indiana Jones 4, had a code name. Uh, okay, give us a clue. How many words was in the code name? Uh, can we say five, the first five, one? Five, five, 
Five, I think. Five letters, I think. Five letters. Oh, one, oh, one word, five letters. Yeah. Okay, so it was known as, like, Project yeah. Blank. Yeah. So we're looking for what the blank word is. It was Project Blank. And we've had a massive clue there, five letters. So we're looking for a five-letter word. Mm. Now, tell us what it is, and I, we'll cut this bit, and we'll save it for later. What is the correct answer to the question, the secret code word... For Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, that's Indiana Jones Part 4. Is it awful? That's five letters. <laughs> Steve's <laughs> suggesting awful, but Ted will tell us what it really is. Well, we knew it as Project... Oh. oh, and you're holding up a special pen knife, which is Indy 4 VFX Crew Project... Declassified. And that's from 2008, is it? Anyway, we'll see if anyone has got that. So that's your question what's the what was the secret code word but show us now this this link to julia donaldson and the gruffalo well like everyone else spent many years reading my children um the gruffalo and uh stick man and all the wonderful books um that julia's created and um like it like the rest of probably the world really you know you end up memorizing the words and one of the roles i've had in the past was the head of facial animation and rigging at um uh, a studio called the Imaginarium, um, which is Andy Circus's performance capture company. And That's Andy Sir- Andy Circus, who was who played played Gollum in the um, in the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings films. And, um, and he was in Black Panther and Planet of the Apes. And, yeah, and Planet of the Apes, and amazingly talented, wonderful guy. We were doing all these tests for facial performance capture, so I I built a digital double, as we call it, of myself, and we were doing the tests, and we were trying to think of something that. Um, a, a piece of work that I, a, a section of dialogue that I could say, and one of the things that came, immediately came to mind was some of the Gruffalo. So I was trying to channel my inner Sean Bean and um, doing doing my best Yorkshire accent. Um, I see Yorkshire. So the mouse is meant to be Glaswegian, and the Gruffalo is meant to be from Yorkshire. See, we exactly. answered the question there. Okay, so we're looking at a at a big wide computer screen with some faces on it and patching and it's it's all very yeah, so weird. So you can see the computer 3D model here uh, in the middle and then there's my the video of the of the head mounted camera that's sat in front of my face recording this brown mouse come and have lunch in my underground house. Rightfully nice you fox, but no. I'm going to have lunch with a gruffalo. So yeah, that's um I was hoping to see a gruffalo face there but it was your face talking instead. It is staggering yeah. how close the facial mapping is from the from the actual image of you and the computer generated image i mean i mean I've, I've, we've read a lot recently about uncanny valley and how close this stuff's getting now even to the extent it's almost it's almost disturbing sometimes he's getting his lunchbox out we did go quite far on that in that that digital double that you can see there of me we actually so i built all of that and then we had 3D scans done of every single facial position in my face. Then I laboriously translated all of those and modelled them for this face um, of me. And we even, we even. It's quite. It's quite not very nice viewing, actually. He's going yeah. to show a 3D print of his own face. No, oh, no he's got his teeth we, cast. We, we even, we even got together. We even got my. We even got my teeth cast in um in in plaster Paris um at the dentist so then I could recreate them in three D and then seat them exactly in the right position in the head, um, so the, the idea was we were creating a test bed for this kind of stuff and so yeah. Okay, well on that kind of slightly creepy note, I think it's the end of part one of this episode of Weed Like a Word, about becoming a children's author and illustrator. 
with me, Paul Waters. And me, Stephen Colgan. And Julia Donaldson and... Ted Chaplin. And we'll see you in part two. Thank you.